0: Well, hello there, CRD family and uh, guests and and friends. Um, As I was preparing for this week's message, I was watching the news and, you know, the state of affairs that we're finding in the world today, I thought to myself, boy, we sure could use some divine intervention. And then I thought, you know, hey, that's a good title for this message. So I named it Divine Intervention. Because, you know, it's kind of easy to joke about that term, you know, it's like, I mean, haven't we done things like this? You know, man, I'm not going to pass this test unless there's some divine intervention. Or, hey, God, I really need some help here, okay? I need you to be a part of this. I need some divine intervention. I thought stop and we should ask ourselves, well, what exactly is it? You know, I mean, Christians grow up hearing this term, and, you know, it can mean, you know, they think probably means something to do with miracles or plagues or is it fire falling (laughs) from the sky? But the dictionary actually states this. It says that divine intervention is the involvement of a deity in the affairs of humans, often implying the direction of God to prevent or stop some type of calamity. Well, I think it's probably pretty safe for me to say we could all use some divine intervention from time to time. And I don't know if you're like me, but you know, I need it daily. You know, I love this, these scripture verses here that I'm gonna to read to you, it's from Romans 7. Um, and this is in the New Living Translation, because I just love the way that it transposes this. I love, it says, "Why is it, I, I, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, <laughs> but I do it anyways. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? There just seems to be this tug-of-war, right? With what the Bible says and, and and actually struggling with our with with our old self. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna have our one of our family members, Gary and uh Carol Sisson. I'm gonna have them introduce them to you here in just a moment. And I'm gonna have you guys, Gary and, and Carol, would you read for me Romans six, uh verses six through seven. Okay, would you guys go ahead and do that? Good morning, Church of the Red Door. I'm Gary. And I'm Carol. We're the Sissons. We're coming to you from Bozeman, Montana. It's a small town in southwestern Montana, about an hour north of Yellowstone Park. We're surrounded by mountains and enjoy it immensely. We love being able to join Church at the Red Door for online worship weekly with Jeff. Today, we are sharing Romans 6, 6, and 7 with you. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. We pray that it won't be long before we can all worship together again in person at Church of the Red Door. Until then, stay safe. God bless. Turning it over to Paul. All right, well, thank you, Gary and Carol. I mean, listen, right, powerful verse, you know? Help free us from this body of sin. See, what Paul's trying to say here, what he's saying in these verses, I I think it's better illustrated. I have a story to share with you. Let me read the story. Once there was a crew of sailors whose captain was insane. And for a long time, the crew obeyed the man because insane or not, well, he's their captain. There was only one problem. The insane captain's leadership often brought disaster. One night, the crew came very close to death because the captain led the crew into a frightening storm. On the following morning, actually, the first mate went around to each of the men and he explained to them, no longer do you need to pay attention to this insane captain. He is now so crazy, he won't know the difference. Okay, when when he's shouting out orders, he won't know if you're listening to him or not. Well, the first mate, well, became their new captain. And the crew eventually learned to ignore the old captain when he just kept shouting orders at him. They did what their new captain led them to do. The wise leadership of this new captain, the story said, brought joy and wealth to the whole crew. You see, this story, the reason why I read this to you, it illustrates what our union with Christ is like. The old captain, that's our old self from whom we used to take all the orders, okay, and to whom we no longer need to pay attention to, because there's a new captain in our life, and that's Christ, who will bring us the abundant life. You know, it's kind of like, remember growing up as kids and they had a cartoon and they had the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other? And they're whispering into the guys ear. one's telling them, no, 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 don't do that. The angel's saying and the, and the devil's going, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, do it. It's the old fighting with the new, right? Good fighting with evil, all right? Well, sometimes it takes a lot to convince ourselves, really, that, hey, we're actually freed from sin, all right? I mean, after all, it's, it's, it's difficult to grasp that because, well, still, still evident. And both in us, and it's all around us in the world. Have any of you ever heard the term Stockholm Syndrome? Probably most of us have had at least heard the term sometime in our life, right, growing up. But sometimes we forget what it it means, right? Well, let me tell you, the story goes, in 1973, four hostages were taken in a botched bank robbery in Stockholm, Sweden. At the end of their captivity, the story says right here, six days later, the captors resisted rescue. They refused to testify against their captors. They even raised money for their captors' legal defense, and actually one of the female hostages later got engaged to one of them. You see, the Stockholm Syndrome, and this will be up on your screen, comes into play when a captive cannot escape. Isolated and threatened with death, but has shown token acts of kindness by their captor. See, obviously, this twisted state of psyche got its name from the studies that transpired from this, which was in Stockholm, in Sweden. But the same syndrome has since been seen in other situations, I mean, like battered wives, okay, and um, other situations like that. See, it boils down to this. The victim feels helpless and has lost hope for relief from the situation. They're clinging to any little perceived goodness or benefit coming actually from the person that's causing the problem. And eventually they begin to lose sense of, well, they begin to sense a false love and dedication actually to the very person who's causing the circumstances who has basically imprisoned themselves. So I want to talk to you today about a sort of Stockholm Syndrome that seems to exist in the spiritual realm, blinding Christians to the freedom and victory that they have in Jesus Christ, keeping them bound up, okay, to that which would destroy them by causing guilt and confusion that keeps them defeated, making them feel ashamed, ashamed to go and seek help. So let's start looking at this. Let's look at Stockholm Syndrome number one. This is what it is. Your captor never had your good in mind. You see, our captor is Satan and his dominion. And believe me, they have always fought from the beginning of time against God's creation. You know who that is, right? Yeah, that's us. I love what Jesus says here in Luke ten eighteen. He says, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Later, Jesus goes on. He's talking in John 8, Verse 44, he says, he's talking to a group of Pharisees. He goes, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. Now here we're talking about our captor here. Here he is. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he's a liar. He's the father of lies. And Jesus goes on more talking about this captor And John 10, 10, he goes, this thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and, that's right, destroy. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then one more verse, let me give you here, from 1 John. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Powerful, right? Powerful. Paul addresses this whole Stockholm syndrome in Romans 6. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans 6 and verse 11. He goes, Even so, consider yourselves, he's talking to us now. He goes, Listen, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. In Christ Jesus, so therefore don't let sin reign in your mortal body, Paul's saying, look it, so that, you, so that you obey its lusts. And, and don't go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. You know, the, when he's talking about members, he's talking about your hands and your eyes and stuff. He goes, don't watch this, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, or me. For you are not under the law, but you're under grace. You see, the New King James Version, I love this, uses the verb reckon. It says we ought to reckon ourselves dead to sin. Paul's saying, make up your minds that sin does not have power over you. Don't let, this is, don't let the insane captain keep you captive. Okay, don't listen to him. Paul's saying, just don't listen to the, ins- it's insanity to listen to your former captor who is leading you in the wrong direction. Matter of fact, Paul was talking to the Galatians and he's reminding him. he goes, listen, in Galatians 6, he says this to them, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who souls to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Can I tell you people may breathe a sign of relief after doing something wrong thinking whoo great, I didn't get caught all right but the reality is there's no such thing as not getting caught. Don't miss this all right, don't miss this there's No avoiding the destructive consequences of sin. Sometimes they come immediately. Sometimes they come later. But they come. Sin, even when confessed, sin even when forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, often leaves an indelible mark upon us. You know, one day, all of us are going to stand before and see Jesus' scars and realize we participated. And putting them there see we have to choose really carefully what you look upon what and how what we touch and what are you listening to because you see your body will fight against a righteous walk with God the insane captain's going to be whispering in your ear standing on the shoulder you know he's going to try to convince you hey don't do the right thing go this way you know you're going to enjoy that much better don't do that You know, Paul goes on, and in Romans 6, he says this in verse 15. What then, he says, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? I love Paul goes, but may it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Paul says, "Look, if you act as a slave to sin, listening to that insane captain, if you're sitting there listening to that insane kid by doing sinful things, you're a slave to sin." He goes, "If you act as a slave to God by doing good things, well, now you're a, well, then you're a slave to God." Friends, listen. there's only two options: slavery to sin, or slavery to God. There's no such thing as not having a master. We all have a master. The question is, which one? The way we act is a demonstration of what we choose. You know, Jesus stated in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, you can't do it. For either uh, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Listen, the law, what's so wonderful about the law is that it points out our sins and our weaknesses. And grace points us to our Savior and history. See, we're all under the grace. It's our umbrella. It's like having an umbrella. It protects us from spiritual turmoil and all the stuff that surrounds us. If we fail to grasp the significance of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, we will always be in bondage to sin. We're, we will be following the insane captain. Boy, I hope you're hearing me here. See, don't miss this. This is worth writing down or going back to this later. Don't miss this. Our struggle is not with the law, nor is it with grace. Our struggles with sin. That's our struggle. The law drags us out into the light, exposes our shortcomings, exposes our sin. Grace then leads us to the cross where our sin is paid for and is done away with. You see, as believers, we have changed masters from the insane captain to the sane captain. Do you see that it's absurd to think that sin benefits us at all? See, let me give you another don't miss this. It's insane to follow sin. It's insane to allow sin to operate within our lives. Because why? Because it's destructive. That's why God hates it so much. Sin destroys our lives. As you look back over your life, think of the sinful things. Look at the destruction it causes in our lives. Look, if we were standing on a, uh, well, let's say we're standing on the edge of a very high cliff. And I showed you a briefcase and I open it up. And this thing's full of $1,000 bills, okay? And I tell you, you know what? If you catch this, I close it up. If you catch it, it's yours. And I throw it over the cliff, okay? Would you jump after it? course not. The reason why you wouldn't jump after it is because you know all that money is not going to do you any good if your body is smashed to pieces on the rocks below, right? Yet sin shows us things pleasing to our eye, things that feed our boastful pride, things that seem to promise to fulfill these lusts we have, and what it does is it tosses those things over to the brink of eternity and we plunge right after them. Okay, it's insane, right? It's insane. Can I encourage you? I want you to see sin for what it really is. See sins for what they are. Scripture says they steal, they destroy, they infest, they infect, and they kill. Let me share Stockholm Syndrome number two with you. The Stockholm Syndrome, it's not an excuse. You see, some people who have been held hostage sympathize with their captors, and they join them in their cause. And they some of these people have committed crimes with them. The Stockholm Syndrome, can I tell you, is not an excuse for behaving like your captor, okay? You only become as guilty as your captor. I mean, How would you expect a police officer to respond? He risks his life in an effort to free you. And then after he frees you and he brings you out to safety, you turn around and you start fighting him. You start fighting your rescuer in an effort to defend the captor, the one just minutes ago that was threatening to kill you. Can I tell you, friends? Christians all over are using the Stockholm Syndrome as an excuse Every single day. And you're thinking, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean they're using it? Well, perhaps some of you are doing it right now. Let me give you an example. You say things like, I can't help it. It's an old habit. It it just comes natural to me. Or, you know, I try to do good. I try not to do that thing. I try not to have that attitude or act that way. But it makes me feel good. Oh, can you hear me here? And you know what? It's how I cope with a bad situation. Or how about this one? Have you ever said this? I don't see that. Exa- I don't see in the Bible where it specifically says that I shouldn't. Okay? Besides, God understands that I'm weak. He'll forgive me. Can I tell you? The Stockholm Syndrome is not an excuse. You have been set free. We need to act like free men and free women. And finally, I have one more Stockholm syndrome I wanna share with you, and it's number three. You've been set free, but you need some deprogramming. You know, a long-term hostage who is finally rescued from a terrorist needs counseling. They need deprogramming. They need to be reminded that prior to their capture, All right, before they were captured, they would have seen the acts and the actions of these terrorists as terrible, as horrible. They need to be reminded that normal means hating violence, okay, and loving good. Friends, we are brought to a place. When we are brought to a place, when we recognize our sinful condition before God, and we accept the gift of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, our shortcomings, can I tell you, this is where we begin this new life. This is where we begin with the new captain of our life. As Paul states in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things, they passed away. Behold, new things have come. But, it's always the but, right? <laughs> because the old man still lives in us, we find what Paul describes right there. I was just reading in Romans 7. There's the flesh waging war against the spirit. There's this battle going on, like I was saying, the angel and devil on the shoulder. The old nature, the old man, that insane man, believes that the wages of sin is pleasure. Right? The insane part of us, the old captor, sometimes we fall back and think, we think it's pleasure. The old man suffers Stockholm Syndrome, <laughs> haven't been held captive for so long, we will fight to continue to serve the old captain. We will. We'll fight to serve the insane captain. It's that battle. We need deprogramming. Look at. we need to have our minds transformed. We need to set our affections on the things above, not on the things of earth. Well, then maybe you're saying, well, you know, Paul, I know you're right, but how do we get deprogrammed? Can I tell you, it's a process, and it's done through us, through the Holy Spirit it's not a renovation of the old self you know like when you watch those home improvement shows and they take and they fix up these old old homes no 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 no, no. Uh, it's it's not a renewing of something that has grown old and is broken no 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 it's a regeneration it's a daily cleansing a purging a deprogramming of the effects of a long captivity you know for many of us that have been um, were non-believers for many years, like myself. I was a non-believer for over 40-some years, can I tell you? I was in captivity a long time, all right? It takes time to get that captor out of my mind, the renewing of my mind. It slowly takes place. It's a transformation that the Holy Spirit does. Friends, believe me. Jesus has a reply to all those excuses that former hostages use. You know, like, remember the first one I talked to you about? I just can't help it. Oh yeah, you know what God says to that? First John four four. Greater is he who is in you that's in the world. Or remember, oh it's an old habit, you know, it, it kind of just comes natural to me. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away, new things have come. Or how about when you say, no, I try to do good. I try not to do that thing. I try not to have that attitude, but it makes me feel so good. That's how I cope with a bad situation. Romans 12, verse 1, Paul says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Or how about this one, the excuse? I don't see that in the Bible where it specifically says that I shouldn't. And besides, God understands I'm weak. He's going to forgive me. Okay, well, hold on. You ready? Hebrews 10, verse 26 and 27. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. I want to encourage you. Allow yourself daily. I have to do this daily to be deprogrammed. Allow God's divine intervention to have its way in you through the Holy Spirit as divine intervention into our lives. Yield your mind, yield your body and your soul to your new master, the one who has redeemed you with his blood, Jesus Christ our Lord. So in close, remember what our story illustrated today with the union with Christ, that that old captain is that old self from whom we used to take all the orders okay, to whom we no longer need to pay attention to because there's a new captain in our lives and his name is Jesus Christ and he will bring and continue to bring to us an abundant life. I want you to grasp this and hold on to this. You are not caught in the enemy Stockholm Syndrome, okay? You can escape. This is really important. You can escape. Your situation's not helpless, okay? It's not, it's not hopeless. As a Christian, you have freedom. victory in Jesus Christ all you have to do is call upon his name Romans 10 verse 12 the Lord is abounding in riches for all who call on him for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be that's right saved acts 22 16 now why do you delay don't you love Paul going why do you why do you delay get up be baptized, wash away your sins, call upon his name. Christ wants you to enjoy the riches in our daily lives. Can I tell you, he's rich to us in giving us comfort and peace, love, hope, patience, kindness, endurance, long-suffering, strength, faith, every positive thing that there is in the universe. And a simple way that we can experience these things in our lives, these riches is calling on the name of, Oh, Lord Jesus, calling on the name of the Lord, calling upon divine intervention in our daily life. Can I encourage you as I close right now? As soon as we feel like we're drifting, you know, we're drifting away, we're starting to hear that old and Captain now, not whispering. He'll be yelling in our ear, trying to get us to go the wrong direction. Can I tell you, this is the answer. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, help. Lord Jesus help no matter where we are whether you call on him softly or you call on him loudly he's always available always available to you in your life so father we as we close this morning father we thank you we thank you for your divine intervention into our lives that you have sent your one and only son to come into this world, to die for us, to break the the ruling of that captor that that has had a hold of us for so long, that there is a new way to walk, that the old self is slowly being put away. So Father, we thank you for that. And for all of us here today, Lord, that are struggling, working through with the, the devil on one and the angel on the other. And Father, we just ask for your divine intervention in all of our lives. May your Holy Spirit empower all of us, Father, to continue to walk in in your light, Father. Guide us, direct us, and lead us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And uh, all of God's people said, yeah, that's right. Amen. God bless you.